0: God-ordained opportunities. So we're chasing after the opportunities that God puts in front of us to honor Him, to glorify Him, to speak well of Jesus, to put in a good word for Jesus. And so that's the idea behind chasing the lion. We're chasing opportunities, looking for those uh, opportunities that God puts in front of us and grabbing onto. And sometimes the reason we call them lions is because sometimes they can look a little bit intimidating, a little bit scary, a little bit different. And so that's why we call them uh, lions. So look, if you will, in 2 Samuel chapter chapter 23 we've been focusing on Benea who chased a lion in a pit on a snowy day and killed it we're not going to look, look at him as much today you look at a different one there's a lot of um, champions here in 2nd uh, Samuel chapter 23 look at it and after him was Eleazar uh, the son of Dodo some it, there's different spellings some say Dodai if you were Dodo you'd want it pronounced Dodai wouldn't you <laughs> please call me Dodai The Aholite, who was one of the three mighty men with David, when they defied the Philistines who were with them there for battle, the men of Israel had retreated, but he, Eleazar, arose and attacked the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand stuck to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day, and the Lord returned, and the people returned after him only to plunder only to pick up stuff that was left behind he was the one that won uh, the victory or God won the victory through him there's a lot of guys and gals from history I'd love to have a chance to sit down and talk to visit with and try to find out what they were really like you know they we read their stories in history and you think I wonder what this person really uh, was like and as a Christian they're all manner of uh, interesting, unusual uh, people in our past that would be fun to talk to. One of them was a guy named Billy Bray. Uh, Billy Bray was born in Cornwall in 1794. It's been a few years ago. And and Billy Bray was um, was raised in a Christian home, but he did not embrace faith in Christ. How I many of you know if you're raised in a Christian home, you still gotta make a decision for Jesus yourself, right? And so Billy didn't do that. Uh, his wife was also raised and she actually had given her life to the Lord, but after they married, she backslid. And, and Billy became very, Um, very much, he was poor, worked in a tin mine, and uh, was very much um, uh, of a drunkard, uh, foul language, uh, awful kind of a life. And uh, in fact, he described himself as a drunken and vulgar miner. That's how he described himself. Well, one day, um, he began to hear about his wife, talk about how it used to be with Jesus, how she used to have joy in Christ and peace in Christ. And that began to kind of weigh on his mind a little bit. He began to think about that and saw that this drunken, vulgar life he was living wasn't really going anywhere. And he began to see, he said, there's got to be something better than this. I mean, this, this can't be the reason why God would create me. And so he began seeking God, began pursuing God, began uh, trying to find peace with God. So he began reading the Bible. He began reading Charles Wesley's hymns uh, as an alternate to the Bible reading as well. And, and, and for days and, and even, even into a couple of weeks, he began pursuing God, seeking God, seeking to be right with God. And, uh, and God saved him. How many of you know if you're hungry for God, God will meet you, won't he? And so God uh, saved Billy Bray in 1823. He became, uh, in his words, desperate to begin again. And that's what Jesus offers is a new beginning, isn't it? And so God saved Billy Bray and his life was marked, his his, uh, biographers say his his life was marked with an extraordinary and exuberant joy. Uh, Billy Bray was known that whether he was at, at uh, work or he was preaching or he was at home, he was known to break out into spontaneous jumping, dancing, and shouting. <laughs> in the minds, while he preached, <laughs> just going about his day, the, the Spirit of God would remind him of what God did in his life and how God saved him. And, and uh, he was just uh, became this really extremely joyful person. That was the one thing that really marked him uh, in his life as a follower of Jesus. He died in 1868. His biographers say the last word that Billy Bray ever said was glory how would you like to die that way, right? The last word to be glory. Maybe he got a little bit of a glimpse into glory. Maybe that's why he said it. Maybe he just wanted to give glory to God for all that God had done in his life. And one biographer said of Billy Brace, and there's two things that really stood out to me and challenged me about Billy's life. One was his exuberant joy. So just about every biographer that wrote about him talked about the jumping and dancing, the singing, that he just was this man of joy. And the th- odd thing about that was he was a poor man. He lived in poverty and he lived in the middle of what most biographers would say are bitter poverty. The mines, the tin mines were. I mean, this was a, this was hard, dangerous work. He lived amongst a bitterly poor, bitterly poor people, and yet, and yet, Billy's life was marked by joy. Do you know, it's kind of genuine when you see somebody living in really tough times and they're jumping, dancing, and singing for Jesus, right? Not only that, though, but it was also was his witness. Um, there was nothing about Billy Bray that anybody needed to encourage him uh, to be a witness for Jesus they said that it just bubbled out of him that Billy Bray was that sort of Christian that uh, he could not help but speak about the Lord Jesus there's that verse in Acts where it talks about the disciples were commanded to be quiet and they said you know we cannot but speak the name of Jesus so Billy Bray got the full dose somebody say full dose (laughs) I mean he surrendered to Jesus on earth as it is in heaven and uh, thy kingdom come and Billy Bray got all in and as I read about that I thought you know if you saw that guy in fact they said many people went to see him preach just to watch (laughs) because they said he was animated you know he was he was exuberant they never knew what Billy Bray might do when he was preaching they said a lot of people went just to watch him and uh went home converted because the message of Christ would penetrate uh, their heart. Uh, I would say Billy Bray was something of a different kind of a character, wouldn't you? A little odd, a little weird, a little different. And so today I want to talk about being weird lion chasers. As I look out about, I think about talking about being weird. I look out across this congregation. Some of you do it really well. <laughs> Not just Weird. But an odd lion chaser, somebody who's a little odd for Jesus. Can I say odd for Jesus? Yeah, I'm talking about going over the top for Christ. When I looked up, I was trying to, I was working with this idea of weird, odd, strange, you know, and I was looking up definitions, and one of the definitions for weird was uh, someone of strange or extraordinary character what a strange or ordinary or extraordinary character, odd or fantastic. In fact, several definitions even said that weird suggests the supernatural. And so weird, and I wanna try to kind of embrace that definition, weird is something of the supernatural in us that causes us to go beyond what somebody might expect. And how many of you know, Jesus went beyond what was expected for us, amen? absolutely went beyond what was expected for us and so we want to be infatuated with him and with him and loved with him so much that we're willing to be thought a little bit odd a little bit weird a little bit strange by the world who hasn't been saved who hasn't been converted who hasn't received Christ into their life when you look in Second Samuel 23 some odd dudes in this in this passage of scripture Right, so my dudes in this passage of Scripture, you got Benaiah, chased a lion into a pit on a snowy day. Uh, you got Shammah that we looked at last week, defended his pea patch because he was tired of getting run out of his uh, pea patch. We looked at Joshua Bashabeth, who killed 800 men at one time. It's so a pretty good battle there. And today, today we're looking at Eliezer, who the Bible says that the army retreated, Eliezer stood. Doesn't tell us how many people he killed, but he, he went to war so long, he fought so hard, that some translations said his hand froze to the sword. Some say his hand couldn't pick up his sword, but the idea is a little bit odd. A little bit different, a little bit over the top. Who fights this hard? And what I want us to get out of this this morning is this. God has saved us by grace, right? God has sustained us by grace. It's all of grace, but grace does not mean we don't work hard. This guy worked so hard that he either couldn't pick his sword up or his sword froze to his hand. You don't kill a 500-pound lion in a pit on a snowy day without working hard. Okay, if we're talking about people expending a lot of energy, a lot of, uh, a lot of effort into this. See, grace is not opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning. The Bible says very clearly that God brought a great victory the Lord wrought the victory. Grace is God wins the victory. Grace has given us the opportunity to walk with Jesus, the opportunity to work hard. And as we uh, looked at revival, one of the things I would encourage you about as we look back to revival is don't forget to put your heart and soul into living live in a revived life. As we continue reading In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day, don't give up. The reason why I wanted this book to continue after revival is to keep us focused on this idea. And so We looked at revival. David Franklin talked the first night about what? About adoration. Everybody say, look up. Heavenly daddy, right? To begin your day. And sometimes it's going to be a little bit of work because you're not going to feel like saying, Lord, I love you so much. And I'm so glad I'm your son. And I'm so glad you're my daddy. And I'm so glad that you're in heaven. So glad that you control everything. Some days that takes a little bit of work. Some days are harder than other days. But we want to start our day what? Looking up because of the cross. If you have a hard time looking up in love, remember what Jesus did for you on the cross. And on Monday night, we talked about alignment on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come. Lord, be be my king. Your will be done in my life. And that takes some working hard because you got to put aside self, right, and walk with Jesus. And then on Tuesday night, we talked about daily bread, that we have access to the throne for everything we need to live a God-glorifying life. Aren't you glad of that today? Daily bread, more than just food, but the ability to speak, wisdom, courage, patience, kindness, joy, whatever you need. And then Wednesday night we talked about that spiritual assessment. God, forgive me as I forgive those who sinned against me. Is there anything I need to repent of today, Lord? So here's the thing. If we're going to flourish, everybody say flourish. Okay, that sounded like you were saying, dying. (laughs) Flourish. <laughs> all right. Hey, how about we try flourishing in a flourishing tone of voice? Everybody say flourish. flourish. Oh, man, y'all are flourishing so good this morning. Hey, see, we, if we're going to flourish, we got to work hard. Not because it depends on us, but because God's giving us the ability to do that. God's given us the power. God's given us the intuitiveness to do that. And so here's what I want you to say this morning. We, if we're going to follow Jesus, you're not going to feel like you're fitting in all the time. Somewhere around junior high, we start to want to fit in, don't we? Smaller than that, not, not, that, not, not near as big a deal. But boy, once you hit junior high and on, on into high school and, and I don't know how long, I guess it lasts to the grave, we tend to want to fit in. We don't want to stand out. I want to suggest this morning that you really don't fit in in this world. If you're a Christian... You don't fit in with the values. You don't fit in uh, with the context. You don't fit in with the desire, the goals, the dreams, the ambitions of a a person that's trying to follow Jesus are much different. So you will, by definition, you will look a little odd. You're going to look a little weird. You're gonna look a little bit different. I would say, if we're going to be odd and weird, let's be weird for Jesus. Can I get an amen? You see, because here's part of it is, As we grow in Christ, God gives us opportunities, opportunities to do some things that that we haven't done before. Praying with people, share our faith with people, invite somebody to church, forgive somebody. It's things that are are new to us and we don't feel, watch this, you don't feel ready. I don't feel like I'm ready to lead somebody to Christ. I don't feel like I'm ready to pray out loud. I don't feel like I'm ready to, to teach a Sunday school class. Here's the thing, almost everything you do for the first time, you didn't feel like you were ready. When you got married, you weren't ready. (laughs) Can I get an amen? When you had children, you weren't ready. (laughs) When you got that first job, you weren't ready, (laughs) right? If you had an attitude that's willing to do this, I mean, that's, that's what you need to take. But just about anything you do that's a little bit hard, a little bit different, you're not ready, you never, you're never ready till you do it. So you say, God, I think this is what you want me to do. It feels weird. It feels odd. But I'm going to do it because I love you. Because I love you. So let's look at it. We'll talk about three things this morning to help us be a little bit odd, a little bit weird, uh, in the right way. Not There's a difference between being weird and being dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Can I get an Amen. I'm talking about you look odd to people that don't follow Jesus, okay? You, you probably shouldn't look too, too odd to people who do follow Jesus, right? But people who don't follow Jesus, you probably look a little bit odd to us. First of all, let's talk about our love for Jesus. I don't think anybody relishes the idea of looking odd. I don't think anybody relishes the idea of not fitting in. I don't think anybody's like, man, I just really hope people look at me like I'm weird today. That's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about a love for Jesus that prompts you to do things you wouldn't ordinarily do. There are times, watch this, guys. There are times when our love for Jesus supersedes our desire to fit in. Man, I know if I say this, I know if I do this, I know if I act this way, I know somebody may ask me about it. I know I'm not going to fit in really well. My love for Jesus is. Bigger than, see, it's never about I feel comfortable doing this, or I don't. I feel comfortable being a little bit odd, or I feel comfortable doing things a little strange. Not that. Don't try to get comfortable. That's not the, the idea. The idea is my love for Christ supersedes that desire uh, to to fit in. It supersedes my desire for attention. Supersedes my desire for approval. That's a huge one, isn't it? supersedes my desire to be noticed to be patted on the back to be well thought about just a fine Christian young person right there it's different from that if you love someone enough you're willing to look a little bit foolish right that's why some of you men some of us men got down on one knee in front of a bunch of folks somewhere or another in a restaurant at a tourist attraction whatever and we felt foolish I don't know if any of you men are willing to admit it, but I did. I felt foolish. I see a couple of guys shaking your head. You get out on one knee, and you feel a little bit foolish, but you do it. Why? Because you love that lady sitting in front of you, and you want to make her day. I, honestly, you know, when I got the ring, and that was an ordeal. I, <laughs> keep keep good track of the ring. <laughs> They're easy to lose, and... uh So you end up telling telling your spouse you're going to the restroom and you end up in the parking lot of the restaurant hunting that stupid ring for 30 minutes. (laughs) Beautiful ring for 30 minutes. (laughs) Honestly, right before I knelt down at that restaurant to ask Laura to marry me, there was a temptation to back out. And you know why I didn't? Because of what it meant to her. I wanted her to... To have that memory, I wanted her to be able to say, uh, My fiance got down on one knee in a restaurant and asked me to marry him. It's not about me. I'm willing to look a little foolish for somebody else. Some of you, some of you have done something like spend six million dollars to go to Disney and stand in line like you're standing on the surface of the sun. And for some of us to do that, we do that for somebody else, right? You don't do it for yourself, you you adults. Some of you adults do, but most of us don't. Sometimes you might carry flowers into somebody else's workplace, and it feels a little odd, but you do it because there's somebody there that you love. Sometimes it may be doing a household chore that you don't like without being asked. (laughs) It's a miracle, isn't it? It's a miracle from God. It may be... You've had the best dessert of your life, and you're down to the last bite, and your spouse says, you can have it. I'm still praying for that for Laura. <laughs> <laughs> I heard about one guy that when he, he, uh, he had his, it wasn't his fiance yet, but his girlfriend uh, over, and he cooked for her, and he cooked a pasta dish. And y'all, on every piece of pa- corsetti I don't know what kind of pasta that is, but I'm assuming it's a fairly good sized piece of pasta. On every piece of pasta, it said, Laura, will you marry me? I'm so glad you said no. No, it's <laughs> a different Laura, <laughs> different Laura. On every piece of pot, that had to take, that's odd. (laughs) That's a little weird. That's a little different. Takes a little time. But he didn't do it. Whoever that was, didn't do it, I don't think, for himself. He did it for somebody else. Listen, guys, if you love something, it'll cause you to go a little bit over the top sometimes. I mean, if love won't, what will? Love's not going to cause you to go over the top. Love's not going to cause you to be a little bit odd. What in the world will cause you to be a little bit odd? See, we'll go a little bit over the top, be a little bit odd to kill a deer. For well, those of you who don't deer hunt, you probably do think sitting in a tree when it's 30 degrees is a little odd. Anybody? <laughs> somebody would. Somebody feel like that's a, a little bit odd. Uh, we might we might do something a little bit odd to be able to watch the ball game, to be able to save five thousand dollars. Okay. I've I've got folks in my Sunday school class that'll take take a bite out of a dead fish floating in a pond for a thousand dollars. So we talked about Sunday school this morning. What y'all talk about? I mean, you're, you're, there's some things that cause you to do things a little, bit, a little bit odd, a little bit different, a little bit weird. But love ought to be the main one. When you look in the Bible, and you look at guys like Benaiah, and you look at guys like Eliezer and Joshua Bathshebeth, and you look at people like David who fought a giant. You look at people like Esther who risked her life as queen for her people. You look at people like Daniel, who's going to take a nap with the lions. He doesn't know how this is all going to go. You look at people like Paul, who goes city to city to city, being persecuted because he loved Jesus. He can get out of that. He doesn't have to do it, but because he loved Jesus. You look at a guy like Billy Bray, who dances, shouts, and jumps for Jesus. Let me ask you a question, and I want you to be serious with yourself. When's the last time, when's the last time that your love for Jesus caused you to do something that's a little bit odd? When's the last time, and I'm not talking about being weird, not talking about just being weird for weird's sake. I'm talking about when's the last time you obeyed God, you followed an opportunity that to somebody that's not a Jesus follower, okay? Somebody's not a Jesus follower, they say, man, that, that's a little bit different. I was talking to David Franklin when he was here one day, and we were... Talking about various things, and we um, uh, come on somehow. Or another we got on the topic of sometimes we'll go out to eat, we'll ask the waitress, Can I pray for you? You know, and so I mentioned to David, I said, Yeah, a lot of times uh, when I ask people that, they'll say, No thanks, I'm good. And he said, You know, what I've started doing, I said, What? He said, I've started doing this. He said, Sometimes when a waitress comes by, I'll say, Can I ask you one of the craziest questions anybody's ever asked you? And so they usually say, Yes. And he said, I'll say something like this. If God were going to answer one prayer for you, just one prayer, what would you want him to answer? And he said, I tell him, I'm I'm being real. It's not not a million dollars, not world peace. For real. If there's one prayer that you pray that you'd really like God to answer, what would you ask him to pray? What what, what would you want God to answer? And so I was at a restaurant the following week, and uh, the the lady came by. It was after we'd already said our blessing and things, so it wasn't really... uh, my little spill wasn't really going to work. And so I thought about what David said, and it felt odd, and it felt weird. And I decided to do it anyway. And I said, ma'am, can I ask you something a little bit odd? I didn't say the craziest thing you've ever heard. That's not my personality. Uh, can I ask you something a little bit odd, a little bit different? Maybe you haven't been asking in a while. She said, well, what's that? I said, well, if God was asking one prayer for you, what would you want him to press? Not world peace, not, not you know, a million dollars, for real. And y'all, she teared up. And she said, if God answered one prayer, it would be my family member that has breast cancer. That would be my one prayer. And I said, well, ma'am, every time I think about you, that's what I'm going to pray for. And you can just, in your silence of your heart right now, lift up that lady's uh, situation and pray for her right now. And next time I go to that restaurant, I'm going to tell her I had a whole church full of folks. prayed. And we don't know your name, but we we still prayed for you. You see, guys, lion chasers don't focus on what they can't do, but what they can do. What, can, what opportunity is there? What opportunity is right in front of you that you can grab onto and say, this is an opportunity to love somebody, serve somebody, share with somebody, encourage somebody, pray for somebody. You got all those one another's in the Bible. And honor, pray, encourage, serve, love, forgive, all those one another. These are opportunities every day that comes our way for us to share Christ with somebody. So lion chaser, don't, don't focus on what you can't do. What can you do? What can you do for Jesus? And remember, it's better to stand out than to fit in. Amen? So are you living your life in a way that's worth telling stories about? It's one of the things that I love about Mark Batterson's books. He always encourages people to reach out for the opportunities. Accumulate possessions. Accumulate experiences, not possessions. Build memories, not possessions. Do things that are worth telling a story about. Don't accumulate possessions. Accumulate Jesus' experience. So number one is your love. Your love supersedes your desire to fit in. Number two is your loyalty okay your loyalty hey there are times when our love for Jesus supersedes our desire to fit in but there's also times when our loyalty everybody say loyalty our loyalty to Jesus supersedes our desires to fit in you see our love for someone can shift our loyalties Um, several years ago um, Joel asked me a question he said uh, I think I've shared this with y'all before but it makes a good point right here He said something like, if I go to Auburn or Alabama, are you going to pull for them in football? And I said, no. (laughs) He said, well, um, if I am the star quarterback for one of those teams, would you pull for them? I said, I'll be the biggest fan in the state. Alabama-Auburn stickers on the car in front of the house, have a uh, uh, life-size cutout of Hugh Freeze or Nick Saban in my office, I mean, and I'm all in. I'm all in. Why? Because my loyalty to my son way supersedes any kind of college football stuff right see your loyalty is driven by your love your loyalty is driven by your love and here's the thing Jesus is going to be loyal to you that's what it's built on but more I was working on this message around Tuesday morning this last week in my quiet time I read the following uh, verse first Corinthians 1 9 read it in the message I read it in several translations the message really stood out look at what it says God who got you started in this spiritual adventure, love this, God got you started, he saved you, shares with us the life of his son and our master Jesus, watch this, he will never give up on you. Never forget that. Why won't God give up on you? Because he loves you. And because he loves you, he's going to be loyal to you. And our loyalty to him is based out of our gratefulness of his loyalty to us. It is reciprocal. What we've received, we want to give back. You see, guys, if the love is real, if the love is real, the loyalties ought to shift. It ought to shift in the way that we talk and the places we go and our ambitions and our direction. And our heart and our goals, I mean, our goals ought to be shaped by the idea that I want to please Jesus. I don't want to to fit in and then just kind of waste my life. I want to honor Christ. I want to do things that I wouldn't do if it wasn't for Jesus. Look at Mark chapter 14, Matthew chapter 14, verse 28. Jesus had sent the disciples on ahead. They're uh, rowing across the, 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 the Sea of Galilee. It's about eight miles across. Big storm comes up, all shaken, you know, they, they think they're gonna die. Jesus comes walking on the water, and man, they're freaked out. They think it's a ghost, and um, they figure out it's Jesus, and what does Peter say? Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Now you better believe in somebody to be loyal to them. You can walk on water to them, right? And a lot of people kind of kind of put down on Peter because uh Peter got his eyes off of Jesus. He looked at the winds and waves, and, and he began to sink. A lot of people was like, man, oh, Peter, he's got his eyes off of Jesus, and, and I can't believe he got his eyes, eyes off of Christ. I can't believe he sunk when he's out there. And all the people that criticized him have never walked on water. <laughs> the non-water walkers criticized him. I kind of got an idea that Peter, when he went back and thought back on that, I don't think his main deal was Man, I can't believe I got miles off of Jesus. I think the main deal probably should be, dude, I walked on water. <laughs> and I don't think the way that thing went with him and the rest of the disciples, that they, uh, you know, kind of wore him out about that. Oh, man, big, big Peter, yeah, you can't even walk on water. You get all the waves around, you get looking at him like that. I think Peter's like, yeah, yeah, how, how far did you walk? <laughs> You know, I, I mean, look, It may be times when you got uh, an opportunity and it doesn't go as well as you thought. Maybe you embarrass yourself a little bit or think you thought it was going to be different. Here's the thing, guys, you never know what God's going to do till you get out there and start walking, start loving, have a loyalty to Jesus. Just watch what he does with it. I love the idea of Billy Bray dancing, singing, jumping, shouting. Loving Jesus, it reminds me of uh, David in Second Samuel chapter six, verse fourteen. David was king, bringing the the Ark of the Covenant back, and uh, and the Bible says David danced before the Lord with all of his might, wearing a priestly garment. Uh, when it says David just rode, when he did? I mean he was, didn't have any clothes on. I mean, he had on a, an ephod. He had on, a, he had on a priestly kind of a garment. So David and all the people of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy and the blowing of ram's horns. But as the ark of the Lord entered the city of David, Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked down from her window. When she saw King David leaping and dancing for the Lord, before the Lord, she was filled with contempt for him. She looked down on him. Oh, man, you should look more dignified respectable the more responsible the more, look a little bit more kingly you know she 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 grew up she's the daughter of Saul she knows how the protocol goes she knows how the decorum is supposed to be she she had a has an idea of how kingly things go David's a little bit undignified and David said I'm gonna be more undignified than this <laughs> ain't nothing yet and what is he saying my love for God look what God has did in my life I can't restrain my joy and Jesus, my, my loyalty, my loyalty is not first of all to you, my loyalty is to Christ. And it just hit me. My quiet time this morning, out of Luke chapter 14, Jesus said, if you don't hate your father and your mother and your sisters and your brothers, you cannot be my disciples. And we know it doesn't mean literally hate because he says what? Love your neighbors yourself, right? So it can't mean hate. It's saying what? That your allegiance, your loyalty to Jesus is to supersede all other loyalties. It changes who we are, it changes what we're like. And uh, it, I got tickled this morning when one of our church members runs to me and said, not run, but sees me, Face a glow, big, huge smile. And she says, My daughter turned 18. She can go to jail with me tonight. That's <laughs> a little odd, isn't it? <laughs> a little odd, a little different, a little weird. But, you know, she's not running drugs or anything, but she's going there to minister. I mean, how cool that mom is so excited about the jail that the daughter wants to be a part of that how cool is it that the daughter's loyalty to Jesus is such that she wants to go to the jail to minister to people we're talking about a shifting of loyalties because of our love and last of all it leads us to the lifting up of Jesus Lifting up of Jesus. See, we we first of all, our love for Christ supersedes our desires to fit in. Our loyalty to to Jesus supersedes our desires to fit in, and then our willingness to lift up Jesus. There are times when our desire to lift Him up is going to supersede our desire to fit in. There's going to be opportunities for you to praise God there in the coming week opportunities for you to speak well of Jesus, to put in a good testimony for Jesus. And for most of us, listen to me, if you've been daydreaming or you've got your minds kind of wandered a little bit, look back, look back real quick. When you get that opportunity to share a word about Jesus this week, one of the biggest temptations for you to back out of that is going to be, I want to fit in. I don't want to stand out. I don't want to look weird. I don't want to look odd. Listen, guys, there's times when our desire to lift up Jesus ought to supersede any desire to fit in. So here's your weekly growth suggestion. You ready for it? Read chapter 9. i in a pit with a lion on a snowy day. We're still doing that. Read the Lion Chaser's Manifesto. And here's the thing. Be open. Be ready. Be looking for God to lead you to do a little something that you might feel a little bit weird about it and do it. Watch for it, watch for it. Watch for opportunities that come your way that are a little bit odd, a little intimidating, a little bit out of your comfort zone and say, Lord, before they come along, I'm gonna tell you, I know it feels odd, I know I'm gonna feel weird, but I'm going to do it because of Jesus, because of what He did. He had to look odd being crucified before the world. And so that's your growth suggestion this week. And here's the thing, when you really love someone, and you're really loyal to somebody, you kind of want to brag on them a little bit, don't you? You see, it's not hard for me to work into a conversation uh, how much I love my wife. Somebody says to me, boy, your wife seems like such a sweet lady. I typically say she is, and I live with her, and I know 24-7. She really is an extremely sweet person. If somebody brings up the subject of basketball, I usually try to bring up my favorite basketball player of the whole world, Joel Jackson Wilkinson. It's not hard for me to bring that. Somebody bring up, they got a, a senior in college or they say, somebody goes to Troy, I bring up Hannah Grace, you know. And it's not hard and it's not a, a chore and it's not like I have to make myself do it. It's because what? You love, look, if you bring up dogs, I bring up my dumb dog. She doesn't really do anything, you know. She did not know any tricks or anything, but somebody starts talking talk about their dog, I'll brag on my dog, you know, love my dog. Um. You know, because what? If something means something to you, you tend to what? Want to talk about it, want to bring it want to share it, and, it's the, and so why not brag on Jesus? Why to not brag on Jesus this week? I was listening, um, I was reading a book, and this guy was talking about he was actually reading In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day. And he was on an airplane and he was sitting next to a, a young lady and uh, as he was reading about these God opportunities he felt like maybe I should say something to her but he said it, you know she had on the headphones and noise you know all this kind of stuff and it it's kind of pretty obvious that she probably didn't walk didn't want to um, talk about anything and so they got off had a connection got back on she he's sitting he's sitting next to her again on the second leg of the flight and he's reading that chapter for the book and we talking about grabbing opportunities and that kind of thing and he said something to the, to the young lady, something like, hey, how you doing? What are you doing? What's going on? You know, and she just kind of mumbled and went back to her, her iPad or whatever. And he said she looked unhappy and she looked troubled. And so after a while, he just, he said, look, I, I know this may seem a little odd to you, but you seem troubled. Sometimes talking to a stranger that you're never going to see again helps. So if you want to talk, I'll be glad to talk. And so she began to kind of test him a little bit, you know, kind of began to talk a little bit. Um, Come to find out, she's 17 years old. She's a month pregnant. Her boyfriend told her to go take care of it. Y'all understand what that means, abortion. Go take care of it. So she had stolen her dad's credit card, got her a flight to Las Vegas, and she was going to take care of it. And then whatever came from that, and so he began to talk to her. They began to share. And so they talked nonstop the rest of the flight to Las Vegas. When they got to Las Vegas, he said, you know, might not be a bad idea for you to buy another ticket back to Arizona, back to your mom and dad's house. might be a good thing for you to do. And she did. And a baby's life was saved that day. And young lady's life probably... Uh, saved from an awful lot of heartache and dysfunction who knows what, what all else. A parent's lies for change because their daughter came back home to them. All because one person was willing to feel a little odd and a little weird and when it looked like they were going to be shut down, they went ahead and tried anyway. Why? Because perfect love cast out fear. Do you stand pleased with heads bowed and eyes closed? No one looking around not saying that every time you uh, try to talk about Jesus somebody you know is going to save a life but here's what I am saying the more of us that do that (laughs) the more of us that are willing if we're not willing somebody think we're a little bit odd a little bit weird we're not going to matter much in the kingdom we don't fit in we are not like the world we our citizenship is in heaven and our loyalty is to Christ and he's our first love and so this morning as we bow in prayer Lisa comes to the piano she'll find something to, and she'll start playing is your desire to fit in causing you to take a little bit of a step back from Jesus? is it causing you to not chase after some of the opportunities to praise him some of the opportunities to talk about him some of the opportunities to just kind of let loose and worship sometime? Maybe you're riding in a car with somebody. You just feel like y'all sing, praise song to God. Turn it loose, man. Turn it loose. Don't let your desire to fit in supersede your desire for Jesus, Father.